Well, I went back and forth whether or not I really wanted to cover this recent publication because this just came out on January the 24th, 2024 in the Gray Journal, the American Journal of OBGYN. And as point of reference, I'm taping this on Saturday, January the 27th. So this just came out officially three days ago. Okay, now it was out in print in the late fall of 2023, but just came out officially on the 24th of January. And the results are kind of a bummer. Now, it's a bummer. It's a little depressing. And I was like, do I really want to cover this? Um, What do I do with this? And, And of course, the answer was, of course, we need to cover this because this is why this was published. We have to know about this so that we can better educate our patients who get this current diagnosis to take steps now so that they don't have this future in store for them. Okay, so here's what the title is. The title of this new systematic review and meta-analysis is Hypertensive Disorders of Pregnancy and the Risk of Maternal Dementia. And as you guessed it, there's a risk. But there's caveats to this and we're going to discuss. Okay, so first of all, yeah, kind of a bummer. I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh my goodness, you've had severe preeclampsia. That sucks. But the good news is you've cut your risk of dementia in half. Yeah, that's not it. That's not it at all. Not even remotely close. Yep, we're going to cover all of this information that just came out, again, on January the 24th, in the Gray Journal. And we're going to talk about some important caveats that are in this publication that we've got to remember to put the results in proper context. Lastly, we're going to remind ourselves of some important steps that can be taken to try to prevent the development of vascular dementia. And the stuff that we can all do, not just after a diagnosis of preeclampsia. Oh my goodness, this is just the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Preeclampsia, oh, just when you think you're done because you delivered, you are definitely not done. So let's cover hypertensive disorders of pregnancy and the risk of maternal dementia, a systematic review and meta-analysis right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was just saying that I think we need new intro music. I mean, we've had the same lead-in for, uh, what, two years now? I think we need to change that. We need to be more dramatic. I mean, it's it's time. We can't be static, right? We've got to do something different. What if we started the podcast with, like, one of those movie, you know, opening scenes? I think that's better. I think that'd be much more exciting. It would be much more captivating, right? Medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. I mean, that's kind of neat, right? That's, I think we should do that. Let's just change it up a little bit. Or we could do the 20th Century Fox Open. That's always cool. Podcast family, we're here with another episode. This... It's Clinical Pearls. 
All right, if I don't stop doing this nonsense, we're never going to get to our message. So I remember Dr. Cunningham, like Dr. Gary Cunningham, the author of Williams Obstetrics, um, telling us when I was a resident, uh, the cure for preeclampsia is delivery. I mean, get that woman delivered. I mean, she needs to be cured. Um, and for that time, um, that was the prevailing thought, right? I mean, separate the two uh, and the stress response of the pregnancy in the maternal compartment will decrease. And then she, she dodged a bullet. She'll be fine. Uh, that was a thought for a long, long time. We now know, of course, that just because you have delivery, which is the right thing to do, you should be delivered, especially based on how, your severity of illness and your weeks. And we're not going to talk about that. That's a whole other conversation. Indications for late preterm or late-term delivery. Um, but yes, you should be delivered. Now, the fact that you're delivered doesn't mean that you're cured. It, you definitely help the condition, no question, but it doesn't go away. This is the, the new thought here that really has revolutionized uh, obstetrics and hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. That just because you're delivered, yeah, you're not really cured. That's just kind of a, a prelude. It, it's a preview uh, of what could come later on in life. It's a stress test. And so what pregnancy does, it basically unmasks what's within the body uh, as a propensity uh, or ticking time bomb potentially later on down the road. Oh, my goodness. I remember around, what, 20... 2014, 2015-ish, I guess, when urine protein to creatinine ratio really was gaining steam uh, as a validated tool rather than just the spot urine dipstick, right, or the 24-hour urine. And I was at some conference. I, I can't remember if it was ACOG or SMFM. I, I don't remember. But um, I remember this this discussion on hypertensive disorders in pregnancy, and I remember what the, the speaker said because I was like, that that's fascinating. We should do that, um, but we don't. And I wonder why we don't, which was the same way that cancer patients are called cancer survivors. Now, obviously, I get that's a much bigger uh, implication, uh, much more morbid. I get that, but, but just follow the, the analogy, all right? As we call cancer patients, cancer survivors, uh, and they're always going to be on the watch uh, as they're always in this remission period, um, we should really kind of be doing that for preeclamptic patients, call them, hey, they're preeclamptic survivors, uh, they're in remission, making the point here that just as cancer patients can always have a reactivation, um, preeclampsia down the road, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, could present as cardiovascular morbidity and real cardiovascular morbidity. I mean, we know this, right? What's the number one cause of people worldwide, especially of Americans, the number one cause uh, of death in women? Uh, it's heart disease. It's cardiovascular complications. And that's the thought here. So, see, we've totally gone from, oh, deliver and you're cured to, no, you're, you're kind of in remission here. I mean, your, your body really wigged out with the pregnancy with high blood pressure, especially if you're severe, true preeclamptics. And we'll get into uh, how does what does that mean for gestational hypertension and, and vascular dementia, because that was looked at here uh, in the systematic review and meta-analysis that was looked at as well. But there's no doubt that severity of illness equals severity of, of, of risk uh, down the road. So gestational hypertension seems to be much weaker, definitely much more established for true severe preeclampsia. Help syndrome, um, though those have much more ties, higher ties, higher uh, odds ratio of future cardiovascular morbidity.
Okay, so I, and I love that analogy. It was, it, I never forgot it. I'm like, man, that makes a lot of sense. That uh, just because you're delivered doesn't mean you're cured, and actually, you could just be set up in the future for things like uh, permanent hypertension, um, stroke risk, a heart disease. And now there's, there's and there's always been this little whispering, right? These little murmurs of, "Ooh, does this does this affect brain health as well?" Because especially vascular dementia, since that's a type of, of vascular injury, um, are are these patients being set up for this down the road as well? Now, and I said I didn't really want to cover this because, well, what do you do with that? I mean, are you just kind of doomed? And well, you had preeclampsia. Well, you just upped your risk of vascular dementia. We're going to get to that. Because it seems to be yes, with a lot of caveats and, and a lot of limitations to the study. But this is where we go, look, you can change this. You're 25 years old now. You have severe preeclampsia. This may happen again in a future pregnancy. And down the road, you could have these other complications. So it's time to do X, Y, and Z. If you're overweight, bring that down. If you have um, pre-existing hypertension, get that under control. If you've got other comorbid conditions, we've got to get that under control. Metabolic syndrome, get that under control. So we're going to talk about this because there are steps that can be taken to minimize that risk because that future doesn't have to define the patient. This is why a systematic review and meta-analysis is important because there has been some previous studies that have identified no clear association between preeclampsia and long-term risk of dementia. So you're like, all right, I'll take that. I'll take, I'll take any win that we can. Yeah, the problem is, though, they've been underpowered to really see if there's a true link or not. Yet other studies have said, you know what, there may be this positive association between hypertensive disorders and dementia, um, but, but we're not clear. That's why you need this systematic review and meta-analysis to put all those data-scattered points together and see what happens. Look, it makes sense. It's biologically plausible because even the American Heart Association has shown that hypertension in general, any kind of hypertension, absolutely has the ability to disrupt the structure and the function of cerebral blood vessels, which can lead to white matter ischemia, something that's already been documented in patients who've had severe preeclampsia. So biologically, this makes sense. We don't want this to be an association, but even though the individual data points are scattered, well, I'm going to tell you now what this systematic review uh, concluded. Now, remember, not an RCT is not a single prospective study. And remember, this is not a single RCT. This is a systematic review of observational studies. And observational studies in and of themselves, of course, have some have some issues, right? There's some inherent biases, but that's okay. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And for something like this, that's so broad um, and you need so many numbers of patients to investigate, uh, you got to do this. That's why you have the MOOSE guidelines. Like, what, the what? It's the MOOSE. Come on, guys, the MOOSE. MOOSE. M-O-O-S-E. <laughs> that is the meta-analysis of observational studies in epidemiology. There's a way to do this with observational studies uh, where you're grouping the data together to try to minimize biases to try to find a true outcome. So the systematic review and meta-analysis was done according to the uh, expected MOOSE guidelines, as it should be. A lot of this data, a lot of these authors, rather, uh, came from Cork, Ireland. And we've talked about Cork, Ireland before. A fantastic Cork maternity is historic. It's one of those hospitals that just put out a lot of data. Cork Maternity Hospital in Ireland. Ah, oh, gotta love those Irish. And what else would you be? And you with the blood of the clan O'Reilly rushing about in your veins. Mm -hmm. 
Happy St. Patrick's Day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes, Ireland. Thank you so much for Cork Maternity Hospital. Great data. Thank you so much for Guinness and for a proper Irish number 12. All right. So this systematic review and meta-analysis, no, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. So whiskey is not one of our sponsors. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so back to the systematic review. Yeah, the data has been all over the place. And if this is a fact, we know that it increases stroke risk. We know that it increases future cardiovascular complications. But does that include dementia? And when we talk about dementia... There's three main buckets here, right? All type of dementia, just throw that in, just every kind of category. And then there's specific subtype, which is vascular dementia. You would figure that have the, the highest association because vascular dementia is the kind that's associated with altered cerebral blood flow and changes in cerebral vasculature, hence the term vascular dementia. Uh, and then there's uh, Alzheimer's type dementia, which remember that can be a whole other kind of pathology because that's the accumulation of toxic beta amyloid protein uh, and peptides uh, in, in the neuronal cells, right? So all cause dementia, vascular, and then Alzheimer's. That's the question that these authors sought to answer. Is it all cause dementia? Is it vascular? Is it Alzheimer's? What are we talking about here? And, and so I'm glad they put this out and we're going to cover all all of this data and the little caveats. As I've said many times before, you've got to respect uh, scientific research because look at the amount of work that goes in there. All right. So let me just give you this, the general scheme here, the algorithm, and then I'll give you, we'll just talk about the results and, and, and make it very straightforward because it's either does it or does it not. All right. And the answer is uh, maybe because remember, this is not looking for causation. These are observational studies, guys. Remember, observational studies can can look at good associations based on odds ratio, but it can't really prove causation. Okay, but all to say, they started with seven thousand three hundred and fifty two studies. That's a lot. You take away duplicates, you take away things that didn't really match, and then it ended up with 167. They're like, okay, 167. Uh, but out of all those, only 21 were really inclusive of the search criteria of what they really wanted to look at. And then they found four additional articles when they looked at those specific references uh, that were footnoted in those 21. So all to say, you started out with 7,300, ended up with 25 studies eligible for analysis. Wow. I mean, that's you see how much work that is, guys? 25. But to get to those 25, to make sure they're the right 25, you got to start with 7,300. 
Oh my goodness, it's a lot of work. Now, before we go into the results, let's just say right here at the beginning that the majority, nearly all of these studies really focused on preeclampsia. Okay, so proteinuric hypertension. Uh, and so the question is, well, where does that leave um, chronic hypertension? Where does that leave hypertensive disorders of pregnancy? So that's one of the limitations here, okay? That it was it's kind of hard to pick out the different types of hypertension here, okay? So the, the majority of the data here was strongest for preeclampsia. And while there were some crude estimates for gestational hypertension and all-cause dementia that suggested a possible, maybe modest association, um, it, it really was not that strong. So the first question is, does, does this tie-in to dementia and specifically vascular dementia, have the same implication for all hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, HDPs? And the answer seems to be no. It, it, it really does correlate with the severity of the condition, okay? So while it mainly the association was for preeclampsia, proteinuric hypertension, less clear whether that means for gestational. Um, of course, we don't want a patient to have any kind of hypertensive disorder in pregnancy, but at least if we have to find some good news uh, in this, it's that it seems to be a little weaker. It's a maybe, could have, maybe, uh, can be association for gestational, and it seems to be much more firm for proteinuric hypertension. Well, let me just get to the results here so that we can put this in context, okay? Um, yes, there seems to be a, a stronger crude association between preeclampsia and vascular dementia, okay? The hazard ratio, guys, here it is, 2.5. So you're like, whoa, 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 2.5. Yeah, 2.5 is pretty impressive. But then the question should be, well, what's the confidence interval? Remember, if it crosses one, it kind of it kind of hedges its bet, right? It kind of loses some, some impact. But it did not. The 95% confidence interval was 1.97 to 3.36. So it was definitely above one. So preeclampsia, vascular dementia, it did seem to be uh, significant. And after adjusting and controlling for demographic and cardiovascular confounders, the pooled hazard ratio was still high. Now, you after, so the, the 2.5 is crude. In other words, w w before doing the sub-analysis, you take away things like maybe weights and family history and other cardiovascular confounders, and then the hazard ratio goes down to a still impressive 1.89, okay? Now, it's much better than 2.5, but corrected for confounders, guys. The, the association between preeclampsia and vascular dementia, 1.89, and that confidence interval was 1.4 to 2.4. Still significant, Okay. However, there are a lot of limitations here. Remember, they're observational. There's some biases that can come in here. But it still makes the point here that outside of the increased risk of hypertension, stroke, uh, heart disease, vascular dementia may be a thing. Now, speaking specifically about Alzheimer's, um, it, it, Alzheimer's wasn't as, as significant unless the patients were above a certain age. And as you would guess, that association became higher at the age of 65. So you're like, well, yeah, I mean, age is the single most important risk factor for, uh, for development of Alzheimer's anyway, and that's one of the limitations. So is there an association between vascular dementia and preeclampsia? Well, association, yes. Causation, remember, something totally different, but there definitely seems to be an association here for proteinuric hypertension in pregnancy and vascular dementia. And when you specifically take a look at Alzheimer's, it, it, it looks 
to be significant, but only in that older population. As the authors state here in this manuscript, um, because it's there's a lot of info here, guys, and the Alzheimer's one is, is a little confusing. Now, remember, that's a whole different other pathology. Uh, that's the uh, toxic accumulation of beta amyloid protein. Um, but, but it's all connected to cardiovascular health and, and cerebral blood flow, okay? So while it's much more plausible to understand the connection between preeclampsia and vascular dementia, it's not out of left field to find a, a, a weaker association with Alzheimer's. But to, to be very clear, the, the data for Alzheimer's had a lot of heterogeneity and there were, there were very small sample sizes. So let me read you exactly uh, what, what the authors state here. Quote, Larger studies of older populations with sufficient follow-up time beyond pregnancy may be warranted to fully investigate this issue. This issue is the association, the possible association between uh, preeclampsia and Alzheimer's, okay? They go on to say, Interestingly, a large cohort study by Thielen et al. reported that women with hypertensive disorders of pregnancy were more likely to subsequently die of Alzheimer's disease compared to women with previously normotensive pregnancies. So here's the final take home. While we identified no association between preeclampsia and Alzheimer's disease overall, both the crude and sensitivity analysis of those aged greater than 65 were suggestive of a possible positive association. So much weaker for Alzheimer's, which it should be because that's a different pathophysiology, but it's not out of the woods entirely, okay? So where does the highest data lie? It lies with vascular dementia and maybe could have, can be with Alzheimer's. So as I said in the intro, it's kind of a bummer. It is, but hold on because here's some caveats, okay? The big strength of this is that finally somebody took independent dots and put it together. As the authors state in their strengths and limitations section, quote, to our knowledge, this is the most comprehensive systematic review and meta-analysis to date, examining hypertensive disorders in pregnancy and their subsequent association with maternal dementia and cognitive impairment. End quote. Fantastic. However, the limitations are it's observational studies. There was a lot of heterogeneity uh, in, in their um, methodologies. And, quote, while the majority of studies gathered hypertensive disorder pregnancy status from large databases or national registries, a significant minority still use less validated methods, including self-reporting. End quote. What does that mean? Um, some of the data, it was just super varied. And how they actually defined dementia uh, wasn't the same in all studies. That's a big flag, okay? Now, the other caveat to this is that, look, the single most important risk factor for dementia, period, is age. So maybe we're just seeing a natural trend uh, as people get older and preeclampsia is just like, hey, I'm innocent in all this. I don't think so. We know that there's some definite tie-in. Again, the American Heart Association has said that. But it's it's hard to figure out how much of this is just natural progression uh, versus the, the cause of preeclampsia itself. Because remember, some of these women also have chronic hypertension and they were not able to 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 piece that out, okay? Listen to this, quote, we would have preferred to have conducted a sensitivity analysis for hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, excluding women with chronic hypertension, given that chronic hypertension is not a pregnancy-specific exposure, end quote. Did y'all get that? This is a big deal here. They're like, um, 
We're not sure how many of these patients had underlying chronic hypertension, which really is is a factor here for vascular dementia. And it could be, again, that preeclampsia is like, I can't believe you all threw me under the bus. I mean, I, I'm just here. It's chronic hypertension causing it. And I'm the bystander or I, 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 I'm potentially uh, an associate. But it's chronic hypertension that's doing the job. They were not able to tease that out as they go on to explain, quote, Unfortunately, the data for this kind of analysis, meaning the sub-analysis of chronic hypertension, was not available from the included studies, and so the results need to be interpreted with some caution, end quote. There it is. So, again, it, it's not like it's going, oh, be on the lookout for vascular dementia. Guys, warning, warning. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, but interpret that with caution. It, it, it's true. It, it, there's a lot of factors here. I told you, got interpreted with the caveats. But it still makes the point here, guys, that vascular conditions, hypertension in general of any kind, is a risk of dementia. Now, may I narrate here for a minute? May I give personal perspective? Because, uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, look, guys, I'm super type A. I get it. I'm very OCD and I'm a little neurotic. Uh, shocker. <laughs> But it's true. Uh, that surprises nobody. And and I'm telling you, I, I know it's weird and super morbid. I don't know if you do this, but I do. Um, you know, every once in a while, especially when I'm alone. That's why it's never good to be alone. Okay. Now to make that point here, because social connectiveness, wow, super known to be protective against dementia. What? I mean, I'm telling you. So uh, older relatives, older aunts, uncles, parents, both my parents have now passed on. But uh, older parents, if they're alone or in isolation, uh, it is terrible. That's one of the things the pandemic told us, right? That's why anxiety, depression just went through the roof. We are meant to be socially connected. Now, you may not like people that much. I get it. You're still meant to be connected. We're social beings. Because one of the things that the, um, the nationwide data and worldwide data has shown is that lack of social connectiveness, verbal communication, relationship, and mental engagement is a significant risk factor for dementia. Wow, is that crazy or what? And so, yes, we need to pay attention to this, to take steps, tell patients, do these things, including staying connected, using your brain. And, of course, most importantly, getting, uh, you know, medical conditions under control. All of those can help keep things at bay. But I think about this when I'm alone. I'm like, you know, one of the things that really scares me, guys, because I, I, I'm going into, you know, data and, and research and academic stuff is kind of like my little sanctuary. We've talked, I've talked about that before. It's my little escape. I know it's nerdy. I'm sorry, guys. It is what it is. Uh, I don't uh, snow ski. I, you know, I don't ride motorcycles. Um, I, I get it. I'm a little nerdy. I, I, this is fun for me. I love uh, reading stuff and, and just, I it's just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's the way I'm wired. Uh, when the MOC list just came out two days ago for ABOG, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got articles. Uh, and I was like so excited. I know it's freaky. Sorry. Um, but one of the things I think about is, my goodness, if I, if I ever, um, heaven forbid, God forbid, lose my ability to recognize my family or my friends or, or lose my ability to just to reason, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even want to know about it. One of the benefits of dementia is I don't think you know you're getting it, right? I mean, you just kind of just kind of start unplugging. But me losing my, my, my capabilities, my, my, my faculties, um, 
I I think would be devastating for me. Any I, and this is the morbid stuff I think about. I know it's not healthy. I, I'm I'm going through it. I'm married to a therapist. Even the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, that's through the NIH, uh, really hasn't found any specific supplement um, that can be taken to try to prevent Alzheimer's. Now, things like nitric oxide boosters, uh, arginine, um, uh, you know, um, things that help with um, uh, vascular plasticity, all of that's been tried. And I think all of those are great, by the way. I'm all for, like, uh, beet extract. I think that anything that increases uh, oxygenation and blood flow to the body is great. The problem is there's not a lot of great data. But again, back to my basic rule, can it hurt you? If Does taking beet, beet extracts or nitric oxide um, uh, uh, boosters, unless you've got some other you know, chronic issue going on, is that technically going to hurt you? No, it can only help you as long as it doesn't interfere with some other medication. But unfortunately, again, according to the NIH, there really isn't one specific kind of of supplement that is absolutely has strong data for the prevention of this cognitive decline uh, or dementia. Some things have some moderate effect, okay, it's true, but, but the direct evidence that they are helpful is just not there. And so that's one of the bummers, okay? So the, yes, there's favorable things. It looks like dementia and nitric oxide has a, has a link. That's absolutely true. But unfortunately, the, the, the bigger problem is does anything really seem to help that? So uh, I have to be very clear here. I, I am in favor here personally, things like L-arginine, things that increase uh, natural nitric oxide levels. I'm a big fan of eating healthy, though I don't always do it as I just drove through McDonald's the other day. Uh, hey, I'm not above me a little McDonald's. I love their little breakfast burritos. And I wish, I really do wish that there was good data here, guys, that I could tell you, take this supplement and your risk of dementia is just vastly going to go down. We just don't have that. Um, so, and, and that's just unfortunate. But is L-arginine in general going to hurt you? No, but we do not have the data that that's absolutely protective against dementia. This, the main things here that have been known to help is increasing blood flow to the brain, uh, like exercise, physical activity, even mental activity, staying active, luminosity, um, Sudoku, whatever, you got to stay connected uh, mentally. Second, of course, is a, is, is a healthy diet, uh, stress management, um, um, even mental wellness uh, and mindfulness uh, has a role uh, in protection. How that works, unclear and it's a little gray, but the point is you got to use it or you lose it. There's something to that. And of course, we can't uh, forget the influence of family history on the development of these issues. But uh, all to say, um, I wanted this to be very targeted because there's really not a lot to dissect here except be aware. What's the take-home message here? Preeclampsia is not cured with delivery. Okay, It sets the patient up for some long-term issues, including future cardiovascular risk, stroke risk, heart disease, and established hypertension. We know that. Time to get healthy after this diagnosis. Put that in the patient's chart. She's in a remission uh, of her uh, preeclampsia. This thing keeps on going and stay active, stay connected, 
uh, and use that brain as much as possible. And though the data is weak and there's not one supplement that is endorsed by any professional society to decrease dementia risks, healthy eating, things that do increase uh, uh, vascular support would make sense that it's low risk and potentially maybe uh, beneficial for this. So I'm all for it, even though the data is weak. So I'd be very clear. Our, our, our push here is evidence-based medicine. But again, um, if it doesn't hurt and none of us eat as we should, uh, potentially just for overall healthy lifestyle, uh, some healthy supplements, maybe that's a thing. But the data is very, very conflicting and weak on that. As we get ready to wrap this up, it has to be said before we leave the episode that this is why having super effective tools uh, and prevention strategies is key here. I mean, we've got to be able to get on top of this thing. Remember that right now, the only ACOG and SMFM endorsed chemoprophylactic tool is low-dose aspirin. And even that's controversial. Should it be 81 milligrams? Should it be 150? Should it be 162? In other words, two tablets of 81 milligrams. That's evolving as well. And you know we've covered that in previous episodes. It's evolving. There's even some data, although it's not very strong, that in those with low calcium supplementation, 500 milligrams of calcium could be beneficial. Again, a little controversial, a little gray, and only seems to be of benefit for those with low endemic calcium levels. All to say, let's get on top of this. Let's find ways to prevent preeclampsia. And there's a bunch of things in development and in study now. In addition to low-dose aspirin, that's not ready for prime time yet. All right, let's bring this home. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. This publication that we've covered, again, is in the Gray Journal, and the title is Hypertensive Disorders of Pregnancy and the Risk of Maternal Dementia, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. That was published January the 24th, 2024. As always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.